Welcome to Bizarro Aficionado. Please, just try and relax. It will only hurt worse if you resist. Season 3, Episode 7. I'm Gaz Morgan, and this is Bizarro Aficionado. How's everyone doing? On this episode, I catch up with Josh Hitchens, and he's an actor, director, storyteller, and master of the macabre to talk about his new book, The Haunted History of Delaware. And I try not to do all local interest things, because I know a, a lot of you are all over the world, and that is so cool. And... uh well, I did this time because it's a really great book and it touches on some really cool local folklore and stories that I think you'll love. But uh, before we get started, I'd like to thank a whole bunch of new listeners from around the world, as well as subscribers on YouTube. So thank you, Richard Vanes and Hallie. Thank you for uh, subscribing both on YouTube. And uh, they've also subscribed to the show as well. So thank you so much to them, as well as uh, PBG3. QWI4, J Bone, Rugrat, Nathaniel, uh, Jatoki, Mary, Paula PC, Gray Day, Steve Slate, you bastard, uh, Moe Knight, Pork Chops, 10, or 1971. Thank you all so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. The show means a lot to me. And the fact that you guys love it just uh, fills me with joy and shit. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening because. Without listeners, I would just be sitting here talking to myself, and that would just be weird. But also, if you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, uh, what that's about is all the uh, uploads I do of new shows and everything like that are all automatically uploaded to YouTube. So they'll be there if it's easier for you to listen on YouTube. Sweet, go listen on YouTube. They'll be there as well as... Uh, specific content that you won't get on the podcast. Uh, there'll be video shorts and vignettes on there about weird locations and places I go. More will be posted when it's not 100 degrees and soupy outside. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, the YouTube episodes will usually drop about three hours after the regular podcast episode. Uh, I'd also like to thank Odinstone for use of their song Black Hawk for the closing music. So stay tuned and listen to that, and I'll have all their links up in the show notes. And, uh, okay, I'll shut up, and let's go have a chat with Joss Hutchins about Haunted Delaware. Hey, Bizarros, and we're back, and my next guest was born and raised in Delaware, and since 2007, he's been a professional storyteller for the Ghost Tours of Philadelphia. Josh is also a theater director, actor, playwright, 
who's been called Philadelphia's foremost purveyor of the macabre and Philly's horror maven. So he's going to fit in perfect. Uh, Josh is also researches, writes, and narrates the podcast Going Dark Theater, which I will have links to in the show notes. Definitely go and check that out. And uh, that podcast is dedicated to examining human stories within true tales of haunted places. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Josh Hitchens. Hi, folks. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, this is exciting. And uh, your your book, uh, Haunted History of Delaware, is so much fun. And this this isn't just another book of, you can go here and you can go there. It is written so much like a dramatic piece and play that you're just sucked right into it. And you go through so much of the history of these places and... One of the best books I've read on the subject. It's so much fun, Josh. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So how did how did Spooky Josh get started? Uh, between <laughs> <laughs> Philly tours and Delaware's haunted history. Where did that where did that love for the macabre and for ghosts and history all start? I mean, I think it it started when I was very very young. Um, I was always very interested in reading horror and, you know, local ghost stories and ghost stories from all over the world and reading books and watching, you know, the old television documentaries, especially, you know, Unsolved Mysteries oh, yeah. in Search of um, and Haunted History on the History Channel was one of my yes. favorites. Yeah. Um, and I think it, re you know, when I and I talk about this in the book a little bit, but when I was about eight years old, uh, my grandparents took me to Colonial Williams, uh, Colonial Williamsburg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we went on the ghost tour there, and that was the very first ghost tour I'd ever been on. And I remember it being absolutely terrifying <laughs> in the most wonderful way. Yes. Um, you know, and to this day, even though I've gone on ghost tours many places, it, it, I think that's still my favorite one because... You know, for anyone who's been there or been on that tour, like, especially at night, like, they're, you're away from the modern world, totally. Oh, you completely. Know? Yeah, like, you can't hear any cars, mm -hmm. nothing, and you're just being led around this, you know, dark, you know, spookily lit place with a storyteller with a lantern with a candle in it. And I just came away from that tour with the sense of, like, this is what I want to do when I yeah. grow up. Um, and when I, I, you know, was born and raised Sussex County, Delaware, um, and moved to the Philadelphia area when I was 18 to go to college at Arcadia University, graduated oh, yeah, yeah. there and yeah, um, which is also haunted. Um, oh, I'm sure it's yeah. been around a while. Mm -hmm. that yeah, was, it was Beaver before that, right? It was, yeah. yeah and it got a castle and everything. So of course it's haunted. Um, you know, and I graduated, uh, college in 2007 and was looking for a job and the ghost tour of Philadelphia was hiring and I got the job and I've been doing, um, that ghost tour for 14 years now, um, and still love every second of it. And it, there's so many cool, creepy places <laughs> in, in Philly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's so many cool places. And I've been on one, one tour there. But it wasn't some of the real. They have some really darker ones and ones that you can bar hop while you do. And uh -huh. and there's just coming out from like Washington Square. My mm -hmm. my poor foreign listeners are like, I don't know any of these places. <laughs> <laughs> but Philly would have been the uh, nation's capital 
and it kind of was for a while. That's where the mm-hmm. signing of the declaration, everything was. So it's it's been around a long time, just like large parts of Delaware have. Yes, and they're about a about an hour apart, give or take. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. So uh, haunted Delaware. Delaware is a strange and creepy place. Yes, it is. Uh, God bless it. It, <laughs> yeah. it is. It is a small place, but it has a lot of history because it was founded uh, by the Dutch, I think, in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. So it was it was well established by the time that you know 1776 came around, and a lot of your stories in there, some I had never even heard of, and I I was at a uh, a local restaurant with a friend and telling him about being able to interview coming up and some of the uh, things in your book and mentioned um, yeah that uh, you have a crybaby bridge story uh-huh. in here. And the bartender turns around, wait, is it from downstate? Is it Maggie's Bridge? I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. So I love mm. that. It, folklore really ties us together in so many ways. It does. And yeah, that was a huge part of what I wanted to do with the book because I, I feel and I've always felt that you learn so much about a place from the folklore that yes. surrounds it. And especially with ghost stories, like it's, it's a way, it's sort of a window into the larger history of a place. It's a way to get you hooked on being a historian um, and yes. learning stuff without you realizing it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Maggie's bridge story, like, you know, cause I, I call the book sort of a, a spooky road trip through the first state because yes. that's kind of, the experience I had of writing it is I took a lot of, you know, because this is during the pandemic, you know, when first started that I started writing this. And so lots of road trips, you know, to all these different places. And going to Maggie's Bridge, I think, was one of the most exciting moments for me because, like, you know, it's on GPS. You can find you can. Oh, yeah. It's on Google Maps. You can find it that way. Um, and when you get to it, their whole road and the guardrails are just spray painted with stuff about like, Maggie, right? Yeah, it's all yeah, Maggie, but, and that's awesome. Yeah, like there's one, and there's one photograph that I took that's in the book where someone wrote like "R.I.P. Maggie and Baby," Aww. and there's like magic sigils written on the road, oh, wow. and I was just. It was so astonishing because you know we all hear about urban legends, like the famous ones, like the hook and all and all oh, that. Right, stuff. right. And just to see, like, right in front of you, like this, it's actually like still happening. Like, it's not just yeah. like, oh, in the distant past we believed this. That people are still going to that site to this day, and and writing things and experiencing that legend and passing it on. Um, and I just, I, I, that was an amazing, amazing moment for me. Yeah. Let's well, let's start there. What is the story of Maggie's Bridge? Yeah. So. The story of Maggie's Bridge, and of course, like with all urban, urban legends, there's different versions of it. But what most people seem to agree on is that the Maggie of Maggie's Bridge was a young woman named Maggie Bloxham, and that she uh, had a boyfriend that her family did not approve of. She found out she was pregnant, so she mm. and her boyfriend were going to run away together uh, to start a new life. And she left in the mid- her house in the middle of the night um, on a horse, uh, on a horse drawn carriage to meet her boyfriend. And she was rounding the corner of what we now call Maggie's bridge. 
and there was a thunderstorm, huge clap mm. of thunder, and that spooked the horses, and the carriage went off the bridge and into the creek, and according to most versions of the story, Maggie was not o- Maggie and her unborn child were not only killed, but Maggie was also beheaded oh, in geez. that accident. Yeah, um, lovely gri- grisly tale. Um, <laughs> exactly. And so the legend goes is that you know you're supposed to go to Maggie's bridge in the middle of the night, turn off your car, turn off all the lights, like no cell phones, nothing like that. And you're supposed to say, Maggie, Maggie, I have your baby. And the more the more times that you say it, things are supposed to start happening, that you might hear the sound of you know, horses' hooves clip-clopping on this road. You might hear the sounds of water splashing or a baby crying. And some people say that people, that they have actually seen the ghost of Maggie Bloxham, uh, Mm. headless, carrying her head, coming towards your car. Um, And then you try and start your car, and sometimes the car will not start, and perhaps you're never seen again. Wow. (laughs) Now I have to go do that. Mm-hmm, I've, right. gone to, mean, I've gone to so many of these, and Maggie's mm-hmm. has escaped me, and I need to definitely do that. I have a YouTube channel, so I'm going to be doing these things. Awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the Crybaby Bridge folklore as a whole seems to be widespread. A lot of, a lot of towns have a Crybaby Bridge or some kind of bridge where you would hear a mocking. And now it's even included in Sasquatch lore. Mm-hmm. Because now they're saying that Sasquatch can mimic certain human voices and sounds that would bring people around. Yeah. So uh, it's it's interesting how the folklore kind of expands and 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 grows along with the culture. So I it, it never never ceases to amaze me how cool folklore is. Yeah. And that there's always at least some sort of truth in it somewhere, no matter mm-hmm. how crazy it gets. There's you know, maybe there was a Maggie and, a, and an accident and kind of went from there. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is that there's I, I wasn't able to find it myself. Um, but there's another author named Mindy Burgoyne um, who does the Chesapeake Ghost Walks. And she re- has written a book called Haunted Eastern Shore, um, oh, okay, which is yeah. great. Um, doesn't doesn't really cover Delaware so much, um, but there's some great material in there. But she, I read an interview with her where she was talking about Maggie's Bridge, and she said that um, there's supposed to be a, a very old cemetery in the middle of the woods near Maggie's Bridge. As you know, Ooh. as you know, there are lots of old oh, of yeah. cemeteries all over Delaware. Yes. Um, and uh, in that cemetery, there's supposed to be a grave that says Maggie Bloxham, um, and that she died young. Um, yeah. which would tie into it. Yeah. I will, uh, that's going to have to be the adventure right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go and see that. I got, yeah, I got to make note on that because I'm trying to find that cemetery and see if I can find her. And if I do, you're the first person I'm calling. If I don't just Please do. be like, <laughs> all right, Josh, we're going now. You're coming with us. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anytime. Anytime. That'll be outstanding. And because you're in Philly a lot. So have you been down to the cave of Kelpius? Oh yeah, I actually, I actually, um, find, I, so there were two, I made two attempts at finding it. Um, the first, the first attempt was unsuccessful. Um, 
my partner and I were going in search of it and it got very, very dark. And, Ooh. you know, we had our like Google Maps on our phone saying we were really close and we were like just go totally off the trail, like going through all this underbrush and like in the midst of the trees and like um, and couldn't find it. But we were apparently like almost right on top of it. Yeah. Um, but we went back couple months later um and act and actually finally found it um and that's that's a fun place that's similar like you know at least when when i saw it like you go inside and like there there was a circle of like burnt out candles and there were some feathers like clear you know clearly folks are still using it you know for magic and ritual um which is just awesome. awesome another one of those hidden hidden gems yeah it's a neat little place and uh it's one of those places I try to go every year. It just mm-hmm. has a, it has a good vibe. It does, and yeah. It, you know, for being for being our area's first basically doomsday cult, mm-hmm. they were all highly educated, and they were the uh, their group, the women of the woods, or the woman of the brotherhood of the woman of the woods. I think it was yeah. something like yeah. that. Did a lot of uh, medi- medicine in the area. They were called upon to treat people and. Stuff like that. So that's, uh, if you're in the Philadelphia area or easy travel, definitely look up Cave of Kelpius. It's also, um, fairly easy to find if you park in the right spot. Otherwise, yeah. it can be kind of an adventure, but, uh, they even attribute possibly the Philosopher's Stone being connected to, uh, Johann, uh, Kelpius. So mm-hmm. it's neat, neat place in there. Yeah. But yeah, the I, whole the whole area of the Wissahickon yes. Park in in Philly is just astonishing. Like you, it's again like a lot of places in Delaware where like you can forget that you're in the 21st century. You oh, know, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, 100. percent And that's another reason I love Philly because there's lots of places to get lost and explore. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you're just over by the Man, which is a outdoor venue, been around forever. There's you know, areas around there we can climb up up hills into the woods there and find old cisterns and yeah. r- r- uh, rubble from old aquifers and things like that so it's a neat area for stuff to look at now i you have told me that uh down in lewis and i have been to this one is the uh fountain of youth yes and mm-hmm. you talk about that you and your partner went there and you actually drank from it mhm yeah it was They've redone it now. It's a little bit nicer. When I went, it was pretty ganky, so I didn't. But mm. now you've spurned me on to be like, all right, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what, when, is a, what is that story? So that, I mean, that's that's something that the origins, uh, at least as far as I've found, like we don't necessarily know for sure. But um, And I first learned of it in a book that if you're interested in Delaware history and folklore, um, there's a book called Delaware Guide to the First State, which was, okay, yeah. uh, yeah, it was done by the Federal Writers Project, you know, during the Great Depression. Right. And it just, it's the best book about Delaware I've ever read. You know, it really captures the spirit of the place and there, it just collects so many little stories that would have been totally lost to time had the Federal Writers Project not existed. Um, so find that it, it, it's worth it's worth the price. Long yeah. out of print, of course. Um, but and it, it's like 500 pages, so it's it's a oh it's that's a nice great to read. Yeah, and it goes through the like literally every corner, every corner of the state. Um, 
But that's where I first found mention of the Fountain of Youth in Lewis. And according to what they collected back in the 1930s is that it was a Fountain of Youth that had been discovered at least by the time, you know, uh, the Dutch settled there in the, in the 1600s. I mean, and obviously existed before then, you know, it was probably used by the Native American populations of the state. Um, but it was, it's a nap, it's a natural spring. Um, and for many, many years, there was, when once it was marked by people, there was actually a conch shell that was oh, hanging yes. through it. Yeah. And that, if you drank the water from the from the fountain of you from the conch shell, it was supposed to be even more effective. Um, no conch shell is there now, um, unfortunately, uh, but it is it, it is very very tasty water. I have to say, it's really really very refreshing. Um, we'll see we'll see if it actually works. <laughs> right. Pretty proud, yeah. I, I was at Cape Henlopen, which is a a park mm-hmm. down in the Delaware beaches on the ocean. And found a conch shell, and my mm. friends just already know I'm weird. So of course I picked it up and looked at them and went, ha, 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 "Eternal life, yep, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. now mine." Now we have to go to the Fountain of Youth. Yep. But, so I will definitely have to do that. It, I know they redid the little gazebo thing around it, and mm-hmm. it looks a lot better now. So I'm gonna go down there and give it a try. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Why not? When I was a uh, when I was young, I was a runaway and. Uh, lived on the street in New York and became kind of this punk CBGB kid. And I, I got to meet Iggy Pop in the bathroom mm. at CBGB's when he was drunk and peed on my leg. And I always told people <laughs> oh, that I, I think, you know, that's why I've never gotten COVID because I've had Iggy Pop's urine, you know, on me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty much immune to everything at this point. So that's hopefully amazing. between that and the fountain of youth, I'll live forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So and one of the other ones that I have to talk about, of course, because so many people have never heard of her, is Patty Cannon. Oh, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. she's a pip. <laughs> she mm-hmm. was really a, a wretched, awful human being. But, you know, I, Delaware doesn't have a lot of its own serial killers. I think we had two that yeah. operated mm-hmm. out of Delaware, but she was the first actual, I think, Delawarean. Could be mm-hmm. wrong, that was out there and I know some about her but I don't know a lot was she I think she was only killing runaway slaves was that it or not not only um, okay. she also she it, it, very similar to like the you know the bloody benders who killed people yeah. you know um, who came by her and she did that as well when people it was clear that they had a lot of money on them um, right they they hadn't had a few drinks and never, and never left, uh, the inn alive. Um, yeah, Patty Cannon, I feel like her story is in many ways the heart of the book. Um, she right. kind of, you know, I think she, she and the legacy she represents is something that really haunts the state of Delaware. Um, and like in the book, like I mentioned her briefly in the introduction, she's mentioned briefly in the chapter about Woodburn and then finally right. they get the chapter about her and that's the only chapter in the book that doesn't have anything supernatural in it at all um it's all just the history um, because the history is horrifying and oh it is 
Yeah, and I was amazed because, like, I, I mean, I was born in Seaford, which is where she was captured and where she died. Um, and like went and went to public school, you know, in Sussex County. And I never, ever learned about her. We were never no, no, taught about her. And th- which is just mind boggling to me because I feel like it's such an important part of the history, especially because it's ugly. Yeah. Um, so basically what Patty Cannon did, I mean, she she's someone who her early life is kind of a mystery. There are lots of different theories about where she came from. Some say she immigrated from Canada to Delaware. Um, some say she was born in Delaware. We don't really know. Um, she kept she kept a lot of her past sort of shrouded in this mystery. Um, but what she and her husband Jesse Cannon and their daughter and uh, and their gang of folks they collected what they did was they basically operated a reverse underground railroad um, in delaware because delaware of course delaware was not a slave state um but it but slavery did exist in delaware um and especially in the southern parts you know closer to uh the confederate states there was a lot a lot of confederate sympathizers um delaware did is one of the few states that actually had um, men who enlisted in both Union and Confederate yeah, yeah, Army. Um, even though Delaware didn't have an official Confederate regiment, you know, people would leave and join the nearest one. Right. Uh, and what Patty Cannon and her gang did is that they would go not not only all throughout Delaware, but they went into Ma- they went into Maryland, um, into the and they went up as far as New York as well, and they would kidnap. Um, black men, women, and children. Mm. And very very often they would kidnap black men, women, and children who actually were free. Um, oh, wow. Who had either, you know, uh, gotten out of slavery or had never been enslaved, you know, if they were, from, if they were more from the North. And she, and they would sell, and they would sell them South. And oh. it's estimated that, she, I mean, we don't know for sure exactly how many, People they did this to, but it, it's it's definitely hundreds. Um, like there's a group uh, in one of the articles, old old articles I found. It actually has a list, and I put it in the book. But it has a list of the names of um, 13 people that were found that were found um, oh, in wow. in one of the raids, and they're different ages, and so many of them. It's it just says like name such and such years freeborn over mm. and over and a group of 13 um black black people would would they would make like a thousand dollars um on that so they wow. made a lot of money doing yeah it. especially at that time that's a ton of money yeah um and again we don't know a lot of the d de- we there's nothing that exists in the record that we have left of you know there's no letters from her, no letters to her, nothing, you know, but considering that they were doing highly illegal activity, it's not surprising that they right. covered the tracks well. And they did, and they did this for 30, 40 years, right? Yeah. Um, God. and people knew, and the people knew about it. Um, like the local authorities knew that this was going on. Um, but because of 
Delaware or Maryland being the way it was at the time with all this woodland, like, and they would navigate through the water, so they would move in between state lines so very often to avoid authorities. And the only re, and she was only caught basically by an accident. Like she, Mm. she was, and she was, you know, in her, in her old age, um, we estimate, it's estimated she was between 60s and 70s. Again, we don't know exactly how old she was, but that's right. the estimation. And like she, she had retired basically. Um, and she was go, like, would go to different, you know, houses of the, of rich people in like Delaware, Maryland, like tell their fortunes and stuff like that. Um, and she had rented out the farm where she lived to another man. And the man was plant, was working in the field oh. at now and started finding bodies. Oh man. Um, and that, that is like just by accident. Yeah. And that's the only reason why she was finally arrested. Um, and she was in the Georgetown jail, um, which was very near the house where I grew up actually. And it's as we don't know exactly how she died. Um, it's reported in a news in the newspapers at the time, you know, just that she died in her cell on on this date. Nothing right. else, which is unusual because like her trial was going to be like the trial of the century. Sure. You know, in Delaware. So it's odd that there, there is there wasn't more newspaper comment about her death. Um, and we do have a source of someone, I think it was 10 years later, who said that she had committed suicide by poisoning herself in her cell. Um, again, we don't, again, that's 10 years after the fact, so we sure. don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, could have been old age, could have been suicide. Um, but then yeah. she was buried, um, in, in one of the, in a grave outside the Georgetown jail and, Years, years, many years later, they were removing all those bodies and some, and someone took her skull. Um, right. And that skull was in private possession for many years. And in, um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the 1960s was donated to the Dover Public Library. Yeah. And it was kept in, in a hat box, um, that was lined with red velvet. And like it wasn't on public display, um, because you're not allowed to publicly display human remains, but people right. um if they asked to see it, they they would be taken back and allowed to see it. Um and I and not long ago, just a couple years ago, um the skull was donated to the Smithsonian um Institute. Um so unfortunately I was not one of the people who got a chance to to take a look at it. Um but yeah, I think she like that, that chapter was the hardest for me to write. I actually, it was actually the very last chapter I wrote for the book. I put it off until the very yeah. end. Um, it, it was very, it was really hard. Um, oh, I, I, yeah. That, that's a tough subject, especially with that many people. And mm-hmm. then, you know, as many serial killers, she preyed on, on, on a people at that time that were, you know, preyed upon by a lot of people and wouldn't yep. be as notice, which makes the story that much more tragic because, you know, it's not just about a serial killer, but you know, how we treated African Americans at the time as well, mm-hmm. that she could yeah. get away with this for 30, 40 years. And it isn't until bodies show up that someone goes, Oh, guess we got to deal with this now. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. that's, that's what I come away with that story from is not just what an awful person Patty Cannon was, but how awful we were as a society that she yes. could do this for so long. Yes. Mm-hmm. But now I, yeah, I heard Skull is at the Smithsonian and I won't say his name over the air so people don't bother him, but I have the contact info for who's in charge of it. Mm-hmm. So we, I'm going to contact them and if I can get an appointment down there, I'll also let you know and drag you along and we can go see it. Please do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I was, for this season, I was looking for, <laughs> I was looking for two heads. You know, Patty mm-hmm. Cannon and, uh, Edward Teach or Blackbeard. Uh huh. Yeah. And, uh, who also he, has a Delaware connection, as you know. He yep. does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, they even think over by Delaware City, there is a, uh, a creek called, Dr- uh, Dragon's Run. Mm-hmm. And they think that actually was originally Dragoon's Run. And mm. he would bring his sloop up in there when it was a much larger water area, hide it in there, and then kind of go from there. Him and uh, Captain Kidd were known to come to Delaware a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I live down on 896, which is in an area known as the Wedge or the Triangle. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, for those, I know you know about this, but um, it was an mm-hmm. area not really claimed by I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, not really claimed by Delaware, PA, or Maryland. Yes. So mm-hmm. it, you would have your criminals living here because it was in no one's jurisdiction. And there's even a story that they believe Captain Kidd buried treasure here. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where in this giant swamp he would have decided to bury it, but, <laughs> but yeah. this, that's what I love about Delaware is, is, is it's hard to go anywhere in Delaware without there being cool stories. Yeah, and actually I found, because I, I do eventually want to do another um sort of a more Haunted History of Delaware book because there's so many more stories that oh, yeah. I couldn't fit into one book. Um, But actually I, re- I not too long ago learned, was reading about the Wedge, and there's apparently also a legend that there was a witch out Ooh. there um, during the night, during the 19th century, um, who would, who would, um, who would, you know, kill people who entered her territory and only leave behind their shoes. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, I found, I found that in one of, um, Ed O'Connorwitz's, uh, Spirits Between the Bays books. Oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ed, Ed is really cool. I've only gotten to meet him a couple of times. I, like you mentioned in your book, went on the, uh, the, uh, Fort Delaware tours when Ed used to run them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which was wonderful. And then I went to a couple of his talks throughout Delaware when he was still out doing them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's a big Delaware, uh, folklore and historian has written quite a few books on, uh, Delaware history and, and Eastern shore history. So if you ever, ever find his books or want to look for his books, they're still out there and they're, they're really great. I'll put links to those as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's really, like, I, I call him in, in my book, he's kind of the giant of Delaware folklore. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He, he devoted so much of his life to, doc, to again, documenting these stories that would be lost. You know, And it's not only stories of, you know, famous historic places, but he also talked to so many just regular people yeah. who, had, who were having paranormal experiences. And he is just a brilliant writer, brilliant storyteller. 
um, his spirits between the Bays books. There are nine of them. Um, and it, I'm, it's really sad because they're, they're all out of print now. Um, but you can still find them used like on Amazon. Oh, wow. for, for I'm glad I kept them on. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, uh, but his book, Civil War Ghosts at Fort Delaware, which yes. is amazing, is, is still in print, um, as are a couple of his, um, Maryland ghost story books. So please, please do seek them out, um, if you've never read them. Yeah. Fort Delaware is another trip. I, uh, mm-hmm. I volunteered there for many years and then was their volunteer coordinator with the state for a few years. And I, I've gone to a lot of haunted places and had nothing happen. Fort Delaware is not one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you spend any kind of time at Fort Delaware, you're going to hear or see or smell weird things from yeah. bread baking. And you're a mile out into the center of the Delaware River on an island. You're not, mm-hmm. smelling, you're not smelling baking bread coming from Delaware City or from you know Fort Mott on the other side of the river. And it, the first time I remember being there as an employee, we're painting the fence around the middle of the place, whitewashing mm-hmm. it. And you just get this strong scent of fresh baking bread. And we're the only two people on the island. Mm. And that's how it started. And from there, it went to hearing drums play the call to assemble, to disembodied screams that weren't the screech owl that lives up in the, up in one of the loft areas. I, so many to seeing a, uh, um, a woman in full 1800s hoop dress standing by a fireplace. And, and and we learned that the instead of going and looking for them, we would sit in one central location, and myself and a bunch of other reenactors at the time, and we'd talk about battles yeah. that we were in and our experience in doing the reenacting, and that would always get weird things started. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. energy of just sitting there like they probably did, you know, bunch of, not that we were soldiers, we were pretend soldiers. <laughs> right. We're talking, you know, about, you know, how crazy it was in Antietam or, or Cold Harbor or what it was. And that, that and rain, if it was any kind of rain or storm, it would be super active there. Mm. Mm. Now you, you do talk about Fort Delaware in the book. And again, the way you write about it and everything is so much fun. And people need to read this because even just hearing about Fort Delaware isn't as cool as how you wrote it. Oh, well, thank you. Especially but, uh, since you worked there for so many years. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. it's uh, And there's so many tropes out there, you know, between uh-huh. you know, general terror and, and the dungeons. And you address the dungeon part in there. And uh, the, in fact, what most people think are the dungeons are usually behind the Endicott battery, yeah. which mm-hmm. was built after the Civil War. and kind of 1890s, I believe. And that's mm-hmm. what really made it look like dungeons back there. But yeah, I, they in the beginning, before the barracks were made, they were put back in these areas and everything like that. So there's always grains of truth to to it. But I, I used to always love doing the haunted tours there just to hear what people have heard and hear their stories. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I mean, Fort Delaware is such an astonishing place you know as as you know like and the fact that it is has been preserved the way it has and that the living history program is run so excellently it's it's really extraordinary you know but but yeah like you said i do i do think oftentimes when fort delaware is talked about you know either in books or in on like tv paranormal shows and stuff like that 
they exaggerate so much. You they know, like do. General terror yeah. thing. You know, yeah. It was like the Andersonville of the North. Oh, like, the Andy. Like, it, it's yeah. not true. No. You know? Um, no, no one will dispute the fact that I'm glad I didn't have to live there. For sure. It's yeah. hotter in the summer. It's colder in the winter. It was a, it was a constantly sinking swamp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was miserable, but General Schaff, who was the commandant, yes. he commandeered an entire shipload of peaches to just give to the prisoners. Mm-hmm. I, they did things to try. It wasn't a perfect place like any prison, but it certainly wasn't like Andersonville where you came no. and you dug your little hole so they didn't have to dig it when you died. Mm-hmm. And the people coming out of Anderson looked like they were coming out of Auschwitz or Birkenau or yeah. anything like that where these, you know, again... But I think the most topical part of Fort Delaware is the reason that so many people died there was not only did they get everyone from captured at Gettysburg, things like that. So you had numbers and people coming in wounded, but you had mm-hmm. smallpox. Yeah. And a lot of them would die because here you're going up to a prisoner of war and go, okay, yeah, we, we don't want you to get smallpox, man. So what we're going to do is we're going to prick your arm and we're going to rub the smallpox in it. Uh-huh. I, no. And they're like, hell no. And even though it's not as extreme now, you're seeing the same thing. We don't learn. Yeah. People are still scared of vaccines and still scared of that. So it's, you can see it and we just, we don't learn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We we don't, we don't Mm -hmm. ever learn. But yeah, it's a, and then they started burying them out on the island. And Mm -hmm. then the bodies started surfacing because of the low, the high water table. And they had to move them over to Fort Mott. Mm-hmm. So a lot of creepy things went on there. And there were murders and there were, you know, things that went on there. But mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, and that was chance, when, it's definitely worth a tour out there. For sure. Yeah, and that was one of the, um, the really fascinating things to me when I was doing, you know, the hardcore research on Fort Delaware is just the history of the building of the fort. Before it even was Fort Delaware, you know, taking this island that a couple hundred years earlier didn't exist, right. you know, and trying to build this fortification on it, on this, you know, on this small island that was not built to take, you know, foundations of things. So there were so many times when, you know, the forts failed, you know, like yeah. Star Fort caught fire. Um, <laughs> it's like the three like little lot- pigs. Yeah, like just lots of different um weird things. Like I write in the book, like it's almost like the island was trying to reject human habitation. Oh yeah, you know, Agreed. and that yeah, and that I, then it was abandoned for so long, um, which is why so so many of its original fixtures were just stolen by people. Oh yeah, um, you know, and then now that it's a living history site where it is, you know, you go there and it's it's, it's eighteen sixty four. Yeah, you know, um, and so it make it makes sense that the haunting of it is so active all the all the time because it is exactly as much as possible the way it was back then. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's you know just going out there unless you go back on the trails, you don't mm-hmm. quite have a full because now when you when you go over there by ferry and you get out and you walk around the island that's about eight to ten feet higher. Mm-hmm. Than it was because otherwise it would be underwater when they dredged the Delaware Channel for all the boats to come down. They put all the dredge spoils out on Pea Patch, which was 
thank God they did, or it would just be a fort in the middle of the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's a neat place, and it's had some neat characters out there. One of the one of the best books to kind of wrap your head around Fort Delaware was a uh, autobiography of one of the the soldiers out there, and yeah, I kick myself that I forget his name. Me but, too. Yeah. It's his biography, but I I've gotten to read the best I can because his handwriting is terrible. Um, <laughs> a copy of his actual. Uh, uh, yeah, his his original writings, and like everything. diary. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just photocopies of his actual diary. And it, this was mm-hmm. also written, I think, around the fifties, and mm-hmm. it was published, so it is very cleaned up. Um, there's yeah. only a couple instances where they talk about quote unquote Irish girls, or uh-huh. uh, or uh, Mrs. Patterson's, mm-hmm. but yeah, there was a brothel out there, Miss Patterson's, and going to see Irish girls was code of going to the brothel, and you had to be an officer usually to go over there, except on special days, mm-hmm. but I always like to tell people that story, too, and, you know, the higher-ups would get mad at me. They're like, you don't need to tell the brothel story. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh yes, I do. <laughs> that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. No, and that's sort of the cool thing about Fort Delaware that I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, especially, you know, because what exists there now is just a fraction of what existed when it was oh, like a yeah. better prison that, you know, it really was a city. It you was. Know? Um, of like 3,000 some people at any given time. Yeah. Plus. Like, and that was, that was one of the, the fun things I found out in the research is that when when its population just skyrocketed, there was a period of time when there were more people living on Peapatch Island than were living in Wilmington, which yeah. was the most populous city in Delaware. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, people would escape from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite ones is we would tell a story about this ice skater. So mm. back then, the because most of the Delaware River at that area where you go over there is like two to three feet deep. It's super yeah. shallow. You can wade before they put the 60 foot channel in. You could wade across mm-hmm. over there, but it would freeze over and they would be allowed the prisoners. They, in the beginning, allowed them to go ice skating there. Mm. Well, this was early in the war and before yeah. they had rifles, they only had flintlocks at this point. So they were very inaccurate and they didn't have a long, a long distance shot. And this, particular uh confederate knew that so he would skate act like he's falling a little bit and he's uneasy on his feet and they would kind of ignore him and he'd look back supposedly and then skate a little more and then made a run for it because he knew he was already out of range (laughs) they couldn't get to him and he skated all the way across and i think they got him on the other side but it was always always fun little stories and then you know, plenty of ones that just don't make any sense, like the tunnels full of gold. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, luckily, I think that one's long and dead now. But every mm-hmm. once in a while, yeah, I don't, come I don't up, think people talk about that much anymore. No, just... no. So I hope I didn't just bring it back up. <laughs> <laughs> there are no tunnels full of gold. There are no tunnels <laughs> full of gold. He wasn't a he wasn't General Terror. <laughs> but one of the weirdest people from there, and I'll, I'll never get his name right, it was Mashoski or Mashuski. Mm. Um. He ended up being one of the founders of Atlantic City. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Majewski? Majowski? I always Something like that. I remember yeah. seeing the name. 
Yeah. And no one can figure out where his money came from. Hmm. So he, he's got a weird story, and I'm surprised no one's done a biography on him because he just seems like one of those really cool, over-the-top, ultra-bravado, you know, ex, you know, adventurer kind of people that just, oh, I guess I'll go to war now. And he went to war and was at Fort Delaware and then found Atlantic City. It's so, so, so weird. Delaware's weird wow. like that. Yeah, yes it is. <laughs> uh, but uh let's see what what are the there's a uh when you get down downstate more there was uh Molly Kahunk. Am I saying that right? Oh yeah. Old Mall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Old Mall, yeah. Old Mall, yeah. And that's one mm-hmm. I I've never known about this one. Yeah, and that comes from, you know, I think the the other treasure trove of a book that I that I found in the research of of this, um, which is the book uh, Folklore of Sussex County, Delaware, um, which was written by a woman named Dorothy Williams Pepper. Um, and that is also a book that is it's long out of print. Um, sometimes it can be a wee bit expensive um, to mm-hmm. find used, but it but if you can find it for a good price, get it. Um, when I when I got my used copy on Amazon, it arrived and it was actually signed by her. Um, which oh, is wow. Really um, and I, the, and I wrote, when I wrote the chapter where I talk about her book, um, and the Selbyville Swamp Monster and Old Mall and the, the other witches in Sussex County, I sent it to my grandmother. Um, and my grandmother said, Oh, I knew Dorothy Williams Pepper. Oh, she wow. Was, yeah. Like, I was like, really? What was she like? And, and my grandmother said she was different. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. You know, so that that was a crazy connection, you know. But Dorothy Williams Pepper was very, very much like Ed O'Connowitz would be later on, um, devoted her life to documenting Sussex County folklore. Like she had a newslet a newsletter that she would publish yeah. where she would collect things. And then finally, for the bicentennial in 1976, wrote this book, Folklore of Sussex County, Delaware. And there, there are stories in it, but it is just, it, it's, it's a priceless collection of just like home remedies, little stories of like, of, of just different people who did different things. Um, like it talks about, you know, the talking tables, you know, ritual that people would do kind of like a primitive, Ouija board sort of spirit kind of thing. Um, and like has a whole section on like ghost stories and and stuff. Um, and the witches. Uh, but yeah, um, the story of old mall, uh, her name was Molly K honk, um, that Dorothy Williams pepper tells that she was, you know, this old, this old woman who, you know, was described as an old hag, um, who lived out in the woods. Um, and like they were her woods that like, you were not supposed like whoa if you went into old mall's woods right um but but one day um some you know this group of sussex county boys decided oh let, let's go hunting you know in old mall's woods it's the middle of the day like mm-hmm. probably once a year uh so they start doing that and they came and they came across old mall um and she said to them you uh, something like, you know, uh, it's like, you bet, you best be going home, boys, because today you'll catch no fox. Oh. Um, and then she disappeared and the, just into the thin air. And these guys are like, Oh, what? That's, that's strange. And then they heard, a, and then they heard and saw a fox coming. 
So they start follow, following it, you know, with their with their dogs and with their guns, trying to get this fox. And hmm. they said, and they said it was moved faster than any fox they'd ever seen. And finally, um, they one of them managed to get off a shot. They shot the fox, and then they heard this piercing, terrifying human scream. And they went to where the fox was, but they didn't find a fox. They found the body of Old Maul, and as Dorothy Williams Pepper puts it wonderfully, they found her with her brain blown out. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there's another another story about a Sussex County witch um, that she tells named Dill Robinson, um, who is a black woman. Um, some people said she was... Um, a, practic- a practitioner of voodoo, um, or, you know, the, that's what they said at the time, who knows what it actually was. Right. Um, and that she, she was someone that people would go to, you know, for, for, you know, good, for good magic, like sort of the, he- you know, healing, like wise woman kind of thing. And also sometimes for darker magic. And the story about Dill Robinson, there are two in folklore of Sussex County, Delaware, but one of them, uh, is that she had put a curse on a particular man and the man, you know, wanted to find some way to, to get rid of this curse because she refused to lift the spell from off of him. <laughs> so what he did is he, he made, he drew an image of Dill Robinson and shot it with a silver bullet. Um, and the way, and Dorothy Williams Pepper writes, four witches are impervious to lead. So kind of like the folklore kind of combines like witches and werewolves into one, which I think right. is interesting. Um, and the story goes that, you know, he shot, he shot the, the drawing of Dill Robinson and way, way across the county, Dill Robinson was, um, just riding along the countryside in her carriage. And all of a sudden she dropped dead, um, shot oh. in the head. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! Like picture a Dorian Gray. Right. Very that. Very that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was cool. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Think- no, those those were new to me too. Um, and of course, the big one that Dorothy Williams Pepper wrote about um is the Selby, what is now known as the Selbyville Swamp Monster. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, which is interesting because uh, Dorothy Williams Pepper's nephew man named Fred Stevens um, actually dressed in collaboration with a friend of his. He wrote for the local newspaper dressed up as the swamp monster in the 1960s um, to scare people. Uh, who I've come heard to of the that. Swamp. Yeah. Um, and part of his costume was his aunt Dorothy's raccoon fur coat. His aunt <laughs> Dorothy being Dorothy Williams. Pepper. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's funny, and again, like, there are so many weird coincidences that happen, you know, to me while writing this book. And one of them was, you know, I was like, oh, I'd love to talk to Fred Stevens. And again, I I went to my grandmother because she said she knew him as well. I was like, do you think we could get in con? You could put me in contact with him so I could talk to him, you know, interview him personally. And she called me a few minutes, like um, maybe 30 minutes later, and she said. Fred Stevens died five days ago. Oh, of course. Um, and in his obituary, the first line of the obituary, it says like Fred Stevens, AKA the swamp monster. Um, oh, that's great. you know, so I, 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 
I love that. And that's all, and that's all in the book too, you know, but I love that because I feel like it really demonstrates how important it is to collect these stories and pass them on. Yes. Because people die, you know, and we, and, or leave and us gone. And, yeah. and it's gone, you know, um, fortunately Fred Stevens, Many like 30 years after he did this, did 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 interviews where he admitted that he had been the swamp monster in the 1960s. So like we do have his, his words and his accounts of it. Um, but even with that, like strange people still see yeah. and experience weird things um, in that swamp. You know, so might might be some truth to it. It makes sense. I one of the the top areas in Pennsylvania for sasquatch sightings is york up in mm -hmm. york county mm -hmm. and you you can get up there into york county just through state parks and forest and so it, it surprises me we don't have more down here but i think even sasquatches are like eh, delaware eh. <laughs> yeah no i'm good mm -hmm. <laughs> you know i'll go down and get some saltwater taffy and come back <laughs> right yeah, and, and sort of the funny thing that I found is about, you know, the Great Cypress Swamp or the Pocomoke Swamp or the Burnt Swamp, goes by right. all these names, um, is that there were two, two separate, um, uh, times where people tried, tried to petition to make it a, a state park. Um, Joe Biden, um, right. tried when he was a senator. Um, and I think it was, uh, Tom Carper, maybe, um, who was the second, who was the second one who tried to get it made a national park. And both times, overwhelmingly, people in the community said, no. They're like, we don't um, want all those people coming here. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. And I get that. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at some point you need that protection because Delaware likes to build on every possible free square inch of land possible. Yeah. There's just yeah. one more Dollar Tree and, you know, a Chipotle that needs to go here. And mm -hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Like literally every, every time I, I go back and, and visit and I'm driving through, like, especially the places where I grew up, like there's new buildings, you know, yeah. new houses and stores. Like it, it, it's, it's crazy how much has been built up over the past, you know, couple decades. I, I came to Delaware around 92, mm. and I think the first weird story other than the, if you go to, if you go to, uh, oh God, I can't believe I forgot the name of the restaurant at the end of Main Street at Deer Park. If you go to Deer yeah. Park, mm -hmm. you can never leave Delaware again. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. That seems to be true. I, <laughs> I can't seem to get out of here ever. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. you do, you'll be back. Yeah. It's true, you know, like, uh, and, and I love the deer, the deer park story. That's another one that didn't make it into the book because that it's supposed, as you probably know, like that was supposedly Edgar Allan Poe. Right. Um, who said that, like he fell, he was going to the yes. deer park river and fell in the mud and people laughed at me and he like cursed, like anyone who enters that this place will never leave. <laughs> and it's the deer park's another weird place and i was a server mm -hmm. there for an incredibly brief time in the 90s mm. and upstairs is definitely very weird and they still have the rooms you know kind of up there and it's all storage now sure but it was definitely bizarre up there and they were telling me a story the old townie bar which you know kids these days don't <laughs> have that you know but there was the old townie bar part and there was a little step to put your feet up on 
Mm. Well, under that step, what they were covering up was a little gutter. So since it was only men, you could pull uh-huh. it out and pee in the gutter. Or they'd dump, you know, the drinks out in the gutter, and there would be this urine and dump drink stream that went out from the deer park and down Main Street a little bit. Yep. And they think that's what <laughs> that's what Poe actually fell in. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even worse. Yep. <laughs> but then uh, I think connected to that, and another place I like to go because I hike White Clay Creek a lot is down to a ticking tomb. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, whenever I take anyone there, I'm like, all right, I need you to prepare yourself for what will be the most disappointing <laughs> thing of your life. But it's such a cool story, and I never remember the whole story to it because there's this long Mason Dixon ticking right. pocket watch story for the ticking tomb. But it's uh, unfortunately, I just recently heard, I believe, that church's roof just caved in. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. It's been... The Pens- that's on the Pennsylvania side of White Clay Creek. So instead yeah. of State Park, that's White Clay Creek Preserve. And they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Just their friends group. And it wasn't getting taken care of. The weeds were always getting bad. The cemetery had been vandalized. Luckily, where the ticking tomb is, there's not much you can do to the fat, flat slab right. there. But uh, still, it's uh, it breaks my heart going yeah. up there. So I'm going to have to... Gonna have to hike out there because it's more fun to hike out to it than just drive to it. But mm-hmm. and I I don't I'm not gonna tell the story because I want people to get your book and read some of these stories in the book because <laughs> we can't give away the farm. But that's uh, true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But when you were looking at this, one of the first stories I ever heard in Delaware was Zoomy Town. Mm. Did you ever hear of that? And it was supposed to be full of little houses for for dwarves or something like that or little people. Yeah that we yeah. live there and i think it turns out being like a church uh i forget what they would call but basically like a church camp mm-hmm. with just little one room cabins to it but if people would always be like zoomy town we should drive out to zoomy town i'm like what in god's name is a zoomy town <laughs> right yeah no and that that's an interesting thing too because like there there are lots of different uh, there are Lots of different legends of, of places of like, you know, where, where dwarves or, or little people would live. Like there's the Delaware one. There's one supposedly in Jersey. There's another oh, one yeah. in Pennsylvania. Like, so that, that's another talking about sort of urban legends and tropes like that. That's another sort of strange one that is oddly widespread. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why either. And, and, Couple ho- when I first started the show, this is season three, and season one for a Halloween episode, my buddy and I drove out, you know, on Halloween after midnight and did Devil's Road. Yes, yeah, and, that was a good episode. I listened to that. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was fun. And and you know, not knowing how to edit, it was also a giant headache. But it was <laughs> now I'm good. But back then, you know, the sound could be better. And but uh, it was fun going out there and just kind of driving around. And what <laughs> what didn't make it on the air is why we're driving. We see these lights off in a distance in a field, mm. and you know, and, th- and this wasn't that night. It was another night. We kind of went up there and we're looking for locations to go, and it was late, at, fairly late at night, and we're like, "What is back there? It's just all these lights back in a field." So of course, it's my buddy Dennis and I. So we're like, "What? Well, yeah, let's drive back to it. What sure. could go wrong?" So we drive back there, and it's this huge barn. And it's lit up, and there's people in the barn. I'm like, oh, we're going to be killed by a rich people cult. <laughs> no doubt. 
And we get up there and we're starting to see that they're all eating. I'm like, oh, they're going to eat us, Dennis. That's what it is. This is where they, all the rich gather and they eat us peasants. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, it ended up being this really cool, uh, for, uh, farm the table, uh, mm. farmer's market that has these incredibly expensive, but incredibly great dinners with big sh- local chefs and stuff like that. So it was, but it was so funny coming up on that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Devil's Road is a trip between the, the weird trees and the quote unquote baby cages, uh-huh. which is where yeah. they put, you know, the, the crazy DuPonts. They're yep. just mm-hmm. trees that grew over rocks, but, but it's, 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 it's fun. Oh yeah. It's fun yeah. out there. So Philly, mm-hmm. since you are the master of the macabre at Philly, so <laughs> <laughs> what is your, what is one of your uh, favorite Philly stories? Mm. Oh, that's a hard one. I mean, there There's are so many good ones. <laughs> there are so many good, good stories in Philly. Um, and fortunately I'll be able to tell them all soon. Um, cause I very recently, um, became official that I'm going to be writing my second book for the history press, yeah. which is going to be Haunted History of Philadelphia. Oh, um, that's going to be magnificent. Here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, I haven't started writing the writing yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to doing that. Where do you um, even start? <laughs> yeah, I mean, There's so yeah. much. I mean, and it's sort of the same way I felt with a lot, a lot of the books about haunted Delaware is that you know a lot of them, Ed O'Connowitz aside, because he's amazing, sure. Um, but a lot of them, the few that exist, like they're very like, oh, this place is haunted. Oh, this place is haunted, and like they don't really go into a lot of detail and like the history and like why you should care that this place is haunted. Right. Um, that's, what's good about your book. Cause it's there. Thank I, you. I, oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, and the, the books that exist about Philadelphia are kind are kind are very much the same is that there's not a lot of that historical context, you know, so right. that, that's something I'm looking forward to, um, to bringing in. Um, one of the places I'm definitely going to be talking about in that book um, is one of my favorite just historic sites in Philadelphia and also one of my favorite haunted places uh, is the USS Olympia. Uh, oh, yeah. Have you been there? I, I've been to it, but I, I don't think I've been in that one. Mm, mm-hmm. Is that the one next to the submarine that you can tour? Exactly. Okay, yeah. I have been on there, yes. Awesome. Yeah, it's part of the Independent Seaport Museum. They're yes. the folks who take care of it. Um, so you can buy a ticket, you can see the Seaport Museum, and then you can also walk through the USS Olympia and the submarine Bakuna. Um, but the USS Olympia is the oldest steel warship in the world that is still floating on the water. Um, most famous um, for uh, the, ba- the battle during the Spanish-American War. God, the name of the battle is escaping me. That's terrible. Oh, um, the Battle of Manila Bay. That's, yes, that's yes, one. yes. Um, you know, in uh, that whole phrase, like, you may fire when ready, Gridley, um, mm-hmm. for, for Kevin Charles Gridley. Um, but it it is like, like Fort Delaware, like Eastern State Penitentiary in Philly. I can tell a story about that later if you want. Um, but the USS Olympia is just an astonishingly preserved piece of history. Um, like, and walking through, they've made, they've restored it to exactly the way it would have been, you know, back in the 19th century when it was on the water. Uh, and we, with the ghost tour of Philadelphia, we used to do, um, ghost tours of the Olympia as well. 
Um, and the very first ghost tour of the Olympia that I led, um, the ship was very dark. Like the staff on the Olympia is great. So they actually tur- would turn off most of the electric lights in the ship. Oh, and wow. Electric lanterns all around. So it's just this sort of dim candlelight. So perfect, perfect yeah. spooky for Halloween. Um, and I, and it, 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 it's kind, especially in the dark, it can be kind of like a maze because we went oh, on yeah. through three decks of the ship and some of them, the areas look very similar to one another. Um, and that at the end of that first tour of the Olympia that I led, um, I was, you know, on, I think it was the, the second, the second floor deck and I, let everyone, you know, ushered everyone outside the ship, made sure, you know, everyone got out. And then I turned my head and I was in the, the galley, the kitchen area where mm-hmm. uh, the sailors on board ship would eat. And the kitchen area is actually um, fenced off. There's a metal gate that's about waist high, so you can't actually right. get into the kitchen. And so I turned my head and I was looking at the kitchen area and I saw a man walk out of the kitchen and walk across the deck and disappear into the wall. Oh, that's um, great. And I just, and I, I could own, I only saw him from the waist up and he just walked very fast. Like didn't look at me or anything. Um, just walked very fast from the kitchen to the wall. And I said out very loudly, fuck. Um, <laughs> and I real because I realized that to get, to get down to the lower deck where like my my stuff was, right. I had to walk right <laughs> through that area to get out. Um, and I got out of there very quickly that night. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that I I had a few other experiences there too, but that was the first one that and that that that, that made a huge impression on me. But that's another place like amazing history. Um, a site that I don't think gets as much attention um from visitors as it should um because it yeah. really is an amazing piece of history it's a great um, tour and it's explore. relatively inexpensive too it is yeah for mm-hmm. both of them I, I took my kids man before covid so maybe mm-hmm. like 2019 i took them to tour both of those and everything and i i'm weird i have this thing for for ships and i was never yeah. in the navy but there's something about the smell mm-hmm. of an old metal ship mm-hmm. that is, I don't know, if I could get a candle of that odd grease oil <laughs> metal <laughs> smell, I would have like 12 of them. Yeah, but, I know what you mean. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, just, I love that. And I'd never been on there. I've been on Mashulu, which mm-hmm. has a weird feeling to me and always yeah. kind of creepy. I all the years I spent at Fort Delaware, I was never ever really creeped out there, but Fort Mifflin creeps me out. Oh yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. what it is there, but Mifflin just feels dark and angry and that's like a place I never really go, <laughs> really go cuz it just creeps me out there in Rockwood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rockwood. Oh yeah, I, fell, I, I fell in love with Rockwood while researching. Isn't it beautiful? Fun. Yeah, I I had never I'd never been there before, um, which is surprising again because grow, growing up in Delaware, but um, and I wasn't actually able to tour the inside of the house until after the book was finished and like sent off to print because of COVID. Yeah. 
Um, but I went, I went on a paranormal, out, outdoor paranormal investigation there. Um, and, um, Rick Loveless, who, who is the head of the uh, Rockwood Paranormal Experience team, was such a huge help to me because he sent me all these material, all these materials about the history of Rockwood and not just, not just like the ghost stuff, but the, you know, just the normal regular history too. And I, it is just fascinating. Like it, like I say in the book, like it's kind of Delaware's Downton Abbey. Like it, and uh-huh, that's people, so true. That's well said. Yeah. Yeah. And like the people, the f- people who lived there are, were s- just such fascinating human beings. Like I actually really want to write a book just about the history of Rockwood eventually one day. Oh, yeah. Um, but when I, uh, two things that happened when I was on that outdoor, um, paranormal investigation. I actually went on Halloween night, uh, 2020, oh, um, which was fun. Um, but they give us like, you know, um, like the ghost boxes that sort of have that frequency. Oh, right, um, and you right. ask questions and sometimes hear words. Um, and I was sitting on a bench outside on the porch at Rockwood. And, and I tell this in the book, but I'll tell it here. Um, I, I asked, do you know why I'm here? And there was a bit of like silence and like a sort of white noise. And then there was a voice that said, yes. Oh. Um, and then I asked, you know, may I have your permission to write about Rockwood? And there was no answer. Um, but funnily enough, on the cover of Haunted History of Delaware, Rockwood is is the house on the cover. And the way they photoshopped um, the picture of Rockwood, there's one window on the front porch where there's sort of this eerie light coming through. Right. And that's exactly where I was sitting. Oh, um, wow. And that, uh, and they didn't know the graphic designers did not know that. Like that was just pure coincidence. Um, but when I was finally able to tour rock webs, of course blown away by it. I want to go, I want to go oh, back yeah. but, um, again and again. Uh, but the, the, o- I, the only place I felt, really uncomfortable was in Mary Bringhurst's bedroom. Um, and Mary, Mary Bringhurst lived to be a hundred years old, um, lived in the house most of her life. Uh, And she was born, born in 1865 when the civil war ended and died in 1965. Yeah. When the civil rights movement was really, was really happening. So like what an extraordinary time, that stretch of time. Um, but when I, uh, when I was in, in her bedroom, I just, I felt deeply, deeply uncomfortable. I felt like some, something was watching me, that there was just a presence. And I, I did, I wanted, I did not want to be in that room. I wanted to get out as fast as I could. Now, is that um, the same as the Shipley? Is that the master bedroom? Hers? Uh, no, diff, different okay. room. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, it's on, the, it's on that same floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we went in there. I had a, a ghost hunting group back in the nineties mm. and we got called in there. I think one of the first groups to go in there and other than we were fed a whole bunch of information that it seems to not even be true. Like that one of the kids was a, um, was a, no, a bleeder. I can't remember the name of the, mm. uh, had a, anyway, I, one of the kids was sick with that and that Bringhurst was basically a psychopath and, <laughs> we were fed a lot of really weird stuff that over time was like, this isn't true. No, no. Not yeah. at all. But, uh, I remember my wife at the time, 
not that I collect them, but you know, I, <laughs> my wife at the time, uh, she didn't believe in any of this stuff. So her and about five or six other people were in the Bringhurst bedroom and the whole bed began to just vibrate and shake. Wow. And they, we took that bed apart down to the, you know, the rope, the rope mm-hmm. bottom. There was nothing attached to that bed that would make it vibrate or bounce or bang or do anything. But she's just like, and I'm good. I'm gonna go wait in the car. Uh huh. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, but it, yeah, I, I love it there. Though I'll mm-hmm. go up and just hang out on the grounds, go out on the back porch. Oh yeah. The Adirondack chairs have lunch and mm-hmm. you know, yell at people to get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> right. You there, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah certainly in Bringhurst were you know, Bringhurst uh made square bottles. Mm-hmm. And that revolutionized being able to take apothecary and medicine bottles on ships so that not only could you fit more in one case, but you could put them on their side on shelves and they're not rolling back and forth and breaking and everything like that. And uh I was an archaeologist for many years, as listeners are probably sick of hearing. But uh I found one of his bottles completely perfect and may still have it. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I want to donate it over there to Rockwood so people can see it. But mm. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, and there's, neat there's one. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, please go ahead. Um, yeah, and there's one one photo that the um, Rockwood Paranormal Experience team shared with me that I I really wanted to be in the book so badly, um, but it it what the the image quality wasn't good enough for printing. Oh. Um, but and it, it it's the mo- honestly the most terrifying ghost photo i have ever seen in my life and i've seen a lot of them um but it, and it's of um the apparition that they call the shadow man that yeah. is in the basement of rockwood oh that's a and place i didn't like either yeah yeah oh yeah it's scary down there um but it's it's a photo of like looking down the hallway of the basement and in down the, about halfway down the hallway you can see it, it's very clear like there's a man standing there dressed mm. in black with his face kind of turned looking at the, oh, whoever's wow. taking the photo and his eyes and his mouth are just these black holes. Oh, um, it's terrifying. If it's you, like a Baba Duke. <laughs> yeah, very that, you know, and for, for folks who are listening who want to see that photograph, um, if you go on YouTube, um, and search for, um, my ghost story, Rockwood. Um, the TV show My Ghost Story did mm-hmm. a little segment on oh, Rockwood. Wow. Um, yeah, I think they, I think it was called Scary Mary. So you might, might search for yeah. that too. Um, but they, they, that, they showed that photo, um, during that segment. So you can, you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember being down there and I guess one of the families kept dogs. They had a lot of hunting dogs. Oh, yeah. Like that, so there's all these yeah. like cells and that's the best way to describe them is there's these cells down there and it's very clean and bright and mm-hmm. kind of modern looking down there. But then there's all these weird cell doors and you're just like, oh, I don't like this down here. Yeah. There's, there's something weird. I, uh, also with a, with a group that I was with, we got the to tour Gibraltar mansion before it was in mm. horrific shape. Like it is now. That was probably the creepiest place I have ever been in. Um, when you would, it was a beautiful place and it had cedar closets. It had a bank vault sized, uh, wine storage, wine cellar. 
wow. that still had some old, you know, now the cork's rotted and there's hardly any alcohol in it, but old, like, mm-hmm. 1920 bottles of Dom. Wow. Of course, you know, I'm down there going, if only. <laughs> <laughs> the hell with the ghost yeah. stuff. Can I just have a bottle of 1920s Dom, please? Yes, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. But uh, you would go down in this one basement part, and you'd come downstairs, and I'm the first person to go down, and it's it's so creepy because it was full of weird medical things. So you had that that mm. typical horror movie wheelchair. Oh yeah. And then mm-hmm. um medical bed and a wall and all this medical stuff down there. Like it must have been that's where they went when they were older or so I don't know. Mm. But I remember being down there and of course it's about four inches deep with water because I had flooded down there, so all you hear is that bloop. Uh-huh. Bloop. I'm like, oh my god, I'm in a I'm gonna bed. <laughs> I'm gonna die here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you come around, go down the hall, and you can go upstairs on the other side, except there are already wet footprints going up the stairs. None wow. of us have been down there yet. And I'm just like, oh, great. Mm. <laughs> well, at least we know they left. That's good. Let's get out of here. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's crazy. Oof. Oh, but, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, I'll be definitely looking forward to your Philly book, because... Yeah, there's there's so much history and everything from uh that one place that Hamilton lived in, uh, mm. and then had his little tryst with that woman and her right. husband that set him up most likely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's creepy. There's the National Bank that I think had some weird things happen to it when there was a uh, a break in. Yeah, that was that was at uh, Carpenter's Hall. That's, Carp- right. that's yes. one of my favorite stories, actually. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carpenter's Hall, which uh, built in 1774, it's where uh, the first Continental Congress started meeting there, but it it wasn't really big enough um, to accommodate what they were trying to do. That's when they moved over to the State House, which we now call Independence Hall. Right. Um, but yeah, on August 31st, 1798. Um, Carpenter's Hall had become the Bank of Pennsylvania, and there was a break and there was a break in, um, and hundred sixty thousand dollars were stolen, which would mm. be about three million dollars yes. today. Um, and it was originally, it was eventually discovered that the people who had carried out this robbery was a man named Isaac Davis, um, and a night porter at Carpenter's Hall named Thomas Cunningham. And Thomas Cunningham actually died in one of the attic rooms at Carpenter's Hall where he lived about a week after the break-in of yellow fever. Um, and ever since, and ever since he died, um, people have seen and experienced his ghost at Carpenter's Hall. Um, people have smelled up in the attic, like what smells like, uh, rotting flesh. Ooh. Um, people have heard footsteps, uh, walking up there. Um, I actually had, cause it, and that's one of the stops on the ghost tour of Philadelphia. And one of the most unsettling things that has ever happened to me on that tour in 14 years was at night on a 9:30 tour. So it was already dark. I was at Carpenter's Hall telling the story and where I tell it, it's like a big open area, right? Um, so it's hard for someone to leave the group or join the group without being right. and other people noticing. And one night I was telling that story and I noticed that there was this man um, standing in the back of the group and other people sort of turned and looked at him because he uh, was kind of 
weird looking. You know, he's an old man with long beard, long gray beard, long wow. gray hair. And he was dressed like a period reenactor, of which right. there are many uh, who work in old city Philadelphia. So I didn't pay much attention. I was like, oh, it's just some guy listening. That happens from time to time. Um, and so I shifted my focus to the other side of the group. And he was out of my eye line. And then I heard someone gasp and people start to to look around and the man was gone. Oh, wow. There. Um, and like, it wasn't just me. You saw him like most of the people in the group noticed that yeah. he was there because like, you know, you're on a tour and suddenly like some person who's not on the tour comes up. Like you're like, who's this person? Um, but yeah. Uh, and I after that, I think about half of the people on the tour left. Um, they're like, OK, we, we're good. Like. <laughs> I'd we be like, I want to go again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Look, I've, I'm taking up your whole day here. I've had you, eh, not quite an hour and a half. But um, is there uh what can I help you plug? <laughs> this is where I usually like to give people, you can, you know, plug whatever you'd like, websites, upcoming projects. Sure thing. No, and it, thank you for having me. This has been such a pleasure. Oh, so oh you're not going to be able to get rid of me this. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's great, great to great to talk with a kindred spirit. Yes. always. Um, but yeah, um, if you want more information about me, um, my website is just joshhitchens.com. Um, and I have an events page. I do have a cu- um a couple uh book related events coming up. Uh, in October, um, one of them is a book signing and reading at Philadelphia at the Ebenezer Maxwell Mansion, which is... Oh, I've never a, been there. Oh, it's a good it's reason great. to go. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, um, all, Philadelphia's only authentically restored Victoria Ma- Victorian House Museum. Um, yeah. It's just amazing. Another place where it's like you're in another time. Um, so I'm doing an event there. I'm doing a virtual event. Um in conjunction with the Lewis Public Library um, on a Monday, October 25th, I believe. And then for the Sea Witch Festival, um, I'm going to be doing uh, signings outside of Browse About Books in Rehoboth um, oh, yeah. on the October 29th and on Halloween, October 31st. Um, yeah, so those are some events I have coming up. Hopefully I'll, I'll have some more coming down the pipeline. Um, also, I do have another book that I've that I've written that is available as a PDF currently that you can find out more about on my website um, and it is called uh, the police will not protect them Whitechapel's women and Jack the Ripper Ooh. and that it is a 95 uh, page book in PDF form that has over 30 photographs from the period and it examines the Whitechapel murders in 1888 focusing on the lives of the women who were killed by the serial killer known as Jack the Ripper. It, it does not talk about any theories about who he was at all, um, is solely focused on their lives of which there is much in the historical record. Um, so that's available. Uh, and of course there's my podcast going dark theater. Um, We'll, we'll, I will warn folks. The podcast is on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. Um, because the right, the writing is, Book writing is kind of taken over, but sure. I, I, I will get back to it. Um, but there, there are 39 episodes, um, for folks to listen to across three seasons. Um, the first season is 
focuses all about my favorite haunted places um, from not just the United States, but all over the world. Um, the second season focuses on unsolved mysteries, um, including uh, a six episode series on the Whitechapel murders, which is where the police will not protect them, but uh, sort of emerged from. Uh, there's also a six episode series on uh, the Borden murders in Fall River and other cases like the Black Dahlia, um, the yes. Interpithet murders, things like that. And then the third season, which is still in progress and on pause for the moment, is about different area, different stories of horrific history, um, including some some of the uh, sto- some of the stories that you'll find in Haunted History of Delaware, part of that, um, but other things as well. And I also have a Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash Josh Hitchens. Um, and you can subscribe to that. Uh, there's different tiers uh, for either $1, $3, $5, or $10 per month. Everyone gets the same content, no matter uh, what tier you choose. Um, and that really goes a long way to helping support me. And if you read Haunted History of Delaware and enjoy it and want to actually hear me read it as an audiobook, I am recording that exclusively oh, cool. for the Patreon. Um, so if you want to hear the audiobook for Haunted History of Delaware, check out my Patreon. You can listen to it there. Most definitely. I'm going to have to have you back to talk about, to talk about Whitechapel and would love like that because yeah. that would that would be fantastic so we'll we'll put that together as well and get you back on because for sure this has been too much fun yes but mm-hmm. josh hold on after we we hang up here and i'll talk to you a little bit off the air and uh for everyone else uh stay around and we'll be right back thank you very much and we're back i'd like to have a big thank you to josh hitchens for coming in and uh, sitting down with me for this episode uh please check out his links in the show notes and another big thank you to all the new listeners and the original and old listeners and uh everyone overseas all of our uh, soldiers that are listening and service people i thank you so much for what you do and for listening and um I'm not going to ramble too much with this one. Thanks again for Odin Stone coming up with our closing music. Check out all their links as well. And, uh, yeah, that's about all I got. And uh, have uh, some big things coming up for October that'll be fun. I jinx myself every time I announce them beforehand, so I'm just going to shut up. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope everyone's having a good end of their summer. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everyone.